it's a solo episode and this solo episode is centered on a fondness conversation and I've done these multiple times throughout the Broke Black Bougie podcast but this time in particular it is really just about talking through some of the journey of Broke Black Bougie and what I've learned being a creator and getting the business in order and also failing forward and failing hard in my journey and seeing how I've shown up in other spaces that are parallel to Broke Black Bougie, but Broke Black Bougie has not seen the same results and outcomes, right? So I chop it up with y'all and I know that this is an episode that will resonate, right? For those who are creatives themselves, figuring shit out might be in a season of starting over and pouring properly into their cups. Enjoy. I'll talk with y'all soon on the next episode of Broke Black Bougie. Today, I wanted to do a solo episode, a reflective episode, and one that's rooted in a conversation that I give to Broke Black Bougie, which almost feels seemingly every year I'm doing the motherfucking same thing. And um, before, you know, twin, where have you been? Nobody loves you like I do, no. You know, because I uh think the song is catchy. It's just, it, it, it gets on my nerves. But before that song became a thing, it was already twin, where have you been? Bro, Black Bougie, where have you been? Why have there been so many pauses in content? You know, um, why the page been quiet, you know, and when you create something that is rooted in being so close to your reality, but existing for other realities and to be a space where we don't sweep shit under the rug, but we call shit out, um, taking multiple breaks can do a disservice sometimes to the mission of what it is um, you've created. And so this anniversary conversation, founders conversation, another year of reflection as Broke Black Bougie has turned another year old, I said, yo, I'm going to do a conversation about some of the mistakes that I've made in my journey being Black, a creative, and in a drought. Being that this particular Black History Month is centered on African-American in the arts, I decided that, yo, I could talk about my journey with writing and some of the lessons that I've learned along the way and shit that I wish I simply would have done differently in my journey, including taking enough time for myself and not consistently always having to deal with multiple pauses. Now, my life, my life, my life, my life in the sunshine, you know, truth be told, in my life, uh, I do take breaks. I take a lot of breaks and I regroup and I am a hermit. Straight up, I am. I'm a hermit. Um, and instead of playing it down, I recognize that being a hermit for me has been a really necessary part of my individual growth and wellness. Um, but at the same time, when I don't take enough time for myself, it impacts, right, uh, the way in which I show up and engage in the world. And for Broke Black Bougie, it has been very much so consistent. 
I decided to do this episode because at the top of the year, one of my favorite creators came back to Instagram and said that they apologize. They've been gone for 1,040 days since February of 2021, getting off the platform. And the past couple of years for her was really hard. And she created a following of over 100,000 people creating content that was relatable and definitely rooted in helping small business owners obtain the resources that they need to show up for themselves and create another stream of income, you know, and I've always admired her page, wanting to be a successful small business owner, um, following it, trying to get some insight, right? And when I thought about her message of saying how long she took time away for herself and why she is now returning, I said, damn, you know, the time in which she went away was a time in which I could have buckled down and not played this game of taking a break, coming right back, taking a break, coming right back, you know, just giving myself enough time that I needed and saying like, all right, I'm going to return when it feels right for me. But you know what? You live and you learn, you live to fight another day, you show up in another way and you learn how to do better with your pouring. Anywho, I say this all to say that today's conversation is going to be an intimate solo convo about the journey of being Black and creative and in a drought. And by the time we get to the end of this episode, you're going to know what I mean by being in a season of a drought. But I feel like it's important for me to just reflect. What I'm going to be talking about is birthing ideas, respecting those ideas, and understanding how to put the work in to commit to it. And as someone who has not always committed to their ideas or committed to um, showing up for themselves, it plays a huge role in the outcomes that you may see or the way in which um, you may find yourself being in a place of stagnancy. Now, this conversation is going to be relatable for anybody who had an idea, grabbed the social media handles, and just let it sit there. It's going to be relatable for anybody who has a platform and hasn't really been committed to the work or feels so stressed out and overwhelmed and like, where is this even going? I don't even know. This conversation is going to be relatable for anybody who has had to take multiple different pivots and return back to, you know, the mission and the purpose of their work or has failed multiple times and just figured out a way forward. Like, all right, I had to fail. These are the lessons that I've learned within those failures. And this is how I'm carrying it forward. As always, the conversations that we have on Broke Black Bougie are candid and for Black women. And it's relatable because we've all been there, women having to make it on less than our worth. We do it while studying trans, but we like assets and ultimately busting our tails to live our best life. This conversation ain't going to be no different. It's just going to be me sharing my perspective as a founder of some of the things that I've learned and some of the things that I've wished I've done differently. And so when folks be like, twin, where have you been? I really been in and focusing on what the fuck has been happening so I can figure out what the fuck I can do to, you know, do better, um, love me better. 
uh, Love It Better by BBB because let's be honest, uh, I've played games with it, okay? I've treated it like a situationship. I've played with it like a doll and I've put it back on the shelf. And for this entire politicking segment, I'm going to be talking about navigating through that journey when you create things and sometimes feel unsure of your voice, what it is you're creating and the room or space you desire to make for you. So let's get into this long ass politicking segment with some personality with it, with some transparency with it. And as you tap into today's episode, be sure to take what resonates and leave what does not, as they always say in the spiritual communities. Let's get into it. So it took me a few takes to record uh, this particular part of the episode, but I decided that the best way to do it is not to mask the details that I want to share, but really be thorough about the different kinds of lessons that I've learned along the way in my journey of being Black, a creative, and in a drought. And so the best way I could kick this off is just starting from the beginning. Now, are there going to be some things that you probably already know if you've been in the Broke Black Bushy community for some time? Absolutely. But I promise that I will be providing new insight and new takeaways that will be beneficial no matter the journey that you may find yourself in being Black and a creative. Whether or not you are restarting and restarting and restarting again, coming back from long extended pauses. I've been there trying to just figure shit out and push through. Let me tell you, there are some things here that you definitely can benefit from because it's it's an honest take on celebrating something, recognizing something for what it is, and also recognizing the opportunities things have to grow and why things have been stagnant. And the parallels of sometimes how our personal life journey impacts the aspirations that we see for ourselves. So I'm going to hop into this politics segment straight up and I'm going to be talking about the importance of respecting your idea. This is the first part of today's conversation and I'm going to just tell y'all why I need to respect your ideas, period. So let's just get to it. We all got ideas. Okay, like ideas come to us on the daily. And some of us will sit and be like, yo, that's a really dope idea. We'll go, we'll make an IG, we'll get a Twitter. I know y'all refer to it as X, but Twitter, okay? We'll go and make that TikTok and then we'll make one post or say, hey, I'm doing this thing and we never circle back to it again. We don't give life to it. We just hold on to it. And I don't understand how an idea can grow or manifest into what you desire it to be if there's no action behind just the idea. Part of respecting your idea is understanding that your ideas exist for a reason. And I'm a firm believer that ideas don't just come to us to come to us. Ideas come to us sometimes because they are things that we need to put into fruition 
to get closer down to whatever it is we are meant to do on our life path. And part of respecting that idea is understanding and, and being very intimate with the what, the high, the how, the uh, for, right? Um, the mission, the purpose, what are you doing? Whether it's you providing services, you providing um, uh, insight, you being a coach, you creating a platform, you selling products, like it's important for you to understand what's your purpose and what you're doing it for. And in my journey, when I decided to create Broke Black Bougie, the reason why I wanted to establish a platform focusing on the experiences of Black women is because I myself wanted to release some things that I was holding within. And I was writing underneath a blog titled Charlisa Charlie, which is literally my personal IG name. But I was writing under that blog and some of the things that I really desired to talk about, I no longer wanted to sweep under the rug. So I told myself like, yo, I need a moniker. I need a pseudonym. I need something that I could be able to write under to confidently talk about my experiences. Because a lot of what I wanted to share was centered on black thought, but more intimately, it was centered on family dynamics and hardships talking about abuse, uplifting the challenges of financial abuse in the Black family, talking about the generational burdens that first-generation students, first-generation professionals, first-generation business owners have to endure when they come from a generation of folks who may not be financially stable, but they're dealing with the weight of those burdens trying to take care of everybody else and what that looks like. Because I saw it leading to cycles where people weren't getting beyond their bottom. You know, so I wanted to uplift those things. And I had found myself around 2016 and 2017 writing more intimately and being vulnerable and also masking some of those things that I was writing. Like, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm writing about this subject, but I'm going to make it a lot more softer because I don't know who may come across this and read it and have a problem. I was fearing having confidence in my own words. Until that is, I made the decision to just write some content and put it out. And with it being published on a bigger platform, I saw how people resonated with some of the stories that I was sharing. And I was like, you know what? I think I just need to continue to write. And no matter how I am writing in this season of my life, I need to push like hell <laughs> to just get out this content and put it on a platform that can expand beyond wearing a mask and being fearful about what it was that I want to speak on. And so one day walking to work, <laughs> the idea of Broke Black Bougie came to me and I was like, you know what, that should make sense. Because at the center of what I am writing, I am a Black woman. I've always been centered on Black specific issues and, you know, calling out, calling in. Um, I'm a broke-ass college student. And I'm bougie as fuck, right? But the juxtaposition, you know, and I struggle with that word a little bit. But anywho, you know, the, the position of uh, broke and bougie are not obviously two things that people put together. But I wanted 
the words to be set up in that way to explain that, yo, you may start off from an experience of being broke, from an experience of not having enough, but it does not mean that you can't evolve beyond that journey. And that's what the bougie gave to me because it was about going from Brokeland to Bougieville, <laughs> right? And having experiences and documenting my own individual journey of evolving. It was very personal, right? It was a very much so personal blog because when I began blogging, I started blogging for self, right? To free myself, to to do a diary. And then the more that I started looking at the context of what broke black bougie um could be the kinds of conversations i could have the intersection of pieces that i was talking about pop culture related to hip-hop and then talking about the experiences of black womanhood and talking about life and wellness talking about relationships and talking about tv shows that were relevant like i would be publishing essays left and right on insecure (laughs) and i remember one time i had wrote a blog post titled um, Issa, uh, our pussies are not broken. These men are. And then I would make little memes or commentary about how Lawrence was showing up on Insecure because he was hurt. So I was saying like, when Lawrence was on his little sexual babe and doing what, what, what he was doing, I was like, he let oppression sit on his face. Like there was just so many different things that I was uplifting, but at the root of it, it was narratives surrounded and and coming from one Black woman's experience and just leaning into what was happening in the world around her, right? And so in a sense, at the beginning of my journey, I respected my ideas by just putting shit out there. I didn't have money to fund Broke Black Bougie, I didn't have any idea of resources to create what Broke Black Bougie was, right? I just knew that I had the three Bs. I had an idea. I knew that eventually I would want to have a podcast. I knew that I wanted to write. I knew that I wanted to have a platform where people resonated with some of the pieces. And I just put shit out there. I was the editor-in-chief, the main essayist, the graphic designer, uh, the curator, the strategist, social media manager, producer. I was a whole bunch of different things at once. But what I started to realize is I didn't have structure. I didn't have structure with posts when I wanted to post. I didn't have structure with the kinds of essays that I wanted to see online. Sometimes I would write something the night before and then publish it in the morning and not even care if that shit was properly edited and then share it on social media. Which, you know, putting it out there is, I ain't putting your shit out there, but it ain't of quality. So you putting it out there and the shit got about 50, 50, <laughs> I can't even talk, <laughs> damn typos. And you looking at it like, uh, how's this going to be received? Well, it's going to be received well by being patient and taking the time you need to put the shit out there. That's what is that that's what's gonna be received well. What's gonna be received well is you being patient and respecting the craft of not just trying to rush shit out, but really being able to articulate your thoughts and learning how to be a better writer. And me and my journey of writing didn't necessarily become stronger until I had a job where I had to write every day. 
you know, and that was two years from when I first started Broke Black Bougie. So I share this just as a reflection of what it means to just respect your ideas. Create something and put some movement behind it, put some action behind it, right? Because a lot of us have ideas and we're not getting to work. We got ideas and we playing really small. We like, oh, you know, I don't know how this is going to turn out. You ain't never going to know how it's going to turn out if you don't fucking turn it. You ain't never going to know if how it's going to turn out if you don't put the work behind it. And really spend time committing to it being something than just that small thing. You know? Some of us struggle with that because we're the first to want to create something and do something in the realm of being a creative. And for elders in our community, especially if they're not creatives, right? Or if they don't come from an industry that's focused on creativity, it's like, ah, eh, you know, I don't understand why you're giving your time to that thing. That thing ain't going to make you no money. That thing may not be profitable. That thing I don't know nobody else who's doing that. Like, like, what's that? What is that? What does that mean? You know, sometimes we don't necessarily show up because we don't know how the outcomes of things can be. But it's better to try than to never know and be frustrated by not going beyond just the idea. So I want to take a moment to just say that and put it out there. Before segueing into the next part of this conversation, which is talking about the importance of protecting the ideas that we have and why it matters so much as a creative, even if others may not see the vision, others may not understand it, even if we ourselves are confused about what the fuck we're trying to create. (laughs) Ooh, child, get ready for this story because it's about to be a whole bunch of story times. Um, and I would just jump in. So what does it mean to protect your idea, right? Like you might be someone who is a hairstylist and you're operating under a cute, catchy name. You may be someone who is selling products, right? Physical products like clothes and You want to make sure that nobody has your name. You might be someone who has a platform and the tagline is catchy, the slogan is catchy, the name is catchy, and you want to make sure that no one is operating under this name or getting you mixed up with somebody else. How do you protect your ideas? Well, one of the ways in which you can protect your ideas is getting your paperwork in order, right? being able to register a trademark, protecting your intellectual property, getting your business things in order, right? Whether it's an LLC, whether it's a 501c3, whether, you know, um, you're doing business as, like, it is so important for you to make sure that you have things in order for yourself to properly pour into the idea. And this falls in line with respecting it, right? Because some of us will operate under a name for years and finally decide 
to do something and not just sit on that idea. And by the time we act on it and try to get things official, we can't operate underneath that name because it infringes on somebody else's trademark. Because it infringes on somebody else's idea that had a similar idea as you and acted on it. They already took the steps to protect it. So now you got to work around it or, or figure out a new name or start from scratch. And this happens. This ain't no game. You know what I'm saying? Like there are people who operate with a name for a long period of time. And when it comes to making things official, they can't because it infringes on somebody else's trademark, somebody else's name, what somebody else already decided to do. So how are you able to get around that or avoid those situations? You got to protect your ideas. From the moment you create that ebook, when you draft up the first couple of products for your merch, you know, when you reach out to get that logo done and situated, when you buy that domain, all of this is documentation of the way in which your idea belongs to you, right? And at a certain point in your journey, you want to ensure that you navigate through the trademarking process for these very four reasons that I'm about to share with you. Number one, your brand identity, okay? So having a trademark helps to distinguish your products and services from those of your competitors, signaling to consumers the source of the product or service. And so when you decide to file for a trademark, it helps to maintain the uniqueness and reputation of your brand. For instance, Beyonce is currently coming out with a hairline titled sacred. No one else can do that. You want to come out with a hair product and you want it to be called sacred and oh you just going to be selling a hair mousse and not uh-uh uh-uh it infringes on a trademark that already exists. It's not going to happen. Damn sure not going to happen with Beyonce's products. <laughs> not in Beyonce's world. This is a man's world. You know, it ain't going to happen. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm trying to be as serious as possible here because I know I joke. But in all, it's just that protection is key. And having legal protection, oh, number two, number two, number two, is one of the best things about being able to have a registered trademark. So the registration of your trademark grants you exclusive rights to use it on your products, right? or your services within the specified jurisdiction. So that legal protection allows you to take action against parties who attempt to use a similar mark in a way that could cause confusion amongst consumers or dilute your brand. Period. So when you have that creative name and you're doing all of this work, protecting your brand and ensuring that you have the trademark gives you some extra coverage just so you can make sure that you are not played with, okay? And that nobody played with you because that's important. Number three is asset value, right? Over time, trademarks can become significant assets to a business. 
often holding more value than physical assets sometimes, right? And so a strong and well-protected trademark can attract partnerships, business opportunities, and even be leveraged in financial transactions. It's very much so true, okay? Especially when you think about relationships, brand mergers, people being able to have ownership of or selling their trademark to certain individuals, licensing, right? That all matters. When you own your ideas, you are in control of how they move. The next thing that is really important about being able to have a trademark is the internet and social media presence. You know, back in the day when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore, but some days I sit and wish I was a kid again. When you talk about the impact of social media, like, we'll get up on MySpace, you know, we'll get up on Facebook, um, Vine, whatever, and have different engagement. But I don't think anybody could have imagined the way social media has transformed lives and the way in which we live today. Your digital footprint, your creativity, right? Um, how you show up on the internet and social media matters, especially even when you have a brand. You know, we talk about algorithms so much today. I ain't never heard the word algorithm so much in my life. Not even in a math class, okay? I ain't never heard of algorithm so much in my life. But today, it's a term that's so deeply rooted in how folks engage, have engagement, are seen in what a lot of people are speaking to as digital real estate, right? Defining how the internet and, and what you have in terms of a platform, followers, messaging, branding, like how all of that informs the money you make, the interactions you have, right? Um, what you have access to, um, how people uh, receive you, how many people view you. Like, it's a different world and where you come from. Yes, it is now, yeah. <laughs> so when we're talking about internet and social media presence, protecting your trademark, it secures your brand identity online, right? That idea that is now a brand identity, right? It protects it online. So that includes domain names, social media usernames, preventing others from misusing your brand identity on the internet. All of that matters. All of it matters. <laughs> so having these protections in place and investing in that protection is useful to you know, where you see this idea evolving and the number of years in which you desire to be in alignment with it, you know, how you will see it grow. I have a quick story to share about my journey with trademarking Broke Black Bougie because it's a unique one. And it shows sometimes when you don't move fast enough, um, how you can lose or have fear <laughs> instilled in you about losing ideas that you've birthed. So Broke Black Bougie, the domains, the social media, um, a lot of the website, that was created in January of 2017, okay? 
I have proof on my social media accounts uh, to prove it. It was created in January of 2017. And when I first decided to trademark Broke Black Bougie, I was selling merch. In 2018, I began to sell merch. And I had a lot of fear about just putting my shit out there. But I had mugs and t-shirts and journals. A lot of those things, right, that I was creating was simply on a print-on-demand service called Zazzle. And shout out to Dr. Brinson, who was one of the first people to support the work that I was doing for Broke Black Bougie and was like purchasing it because it's like, oh, you're creating something like this is what's up. This is dope. You got a dope brand. I'm going to support it for you. She bought them up. Now, I had all of these grand ideas, but didn't know anything about print on demand services. You know, I wasn't well versed on, on much, but I kept hearing conversations on the internet about the importance of protecting your brand ideas and how if you don't protect it, if you don't get a trademark, if you don't ensure that you have a registered trademark, you're not serious, you're not serious, you're not serious. And I was like, okay, let me just go through the trademark process. So the way I went about it, though I was frequently visiting the United States Patent and Trademark Office, I was very confused about the process and I just wanted something quick and that would direct me to the tools and resources that I needed in order for me to obtain my trademark. And my process of first doing my first trademark application was in 2018, and it was for notebooks and journals. Because that's what, you know, some of the items that I was selling at the time, was. it was under one class. It wasn't under a class focused on blogging, my podcast, any um, digital products. It was not focused on any of that. It was just simply focusing on notebooks and journals, <laughs> okay? In each class, you have to show proof of who's purchasing this, how this is being sold, all of these things. But I had went to a site called Trademarkia, and Trademarkia is essentially this entire engine that sets you up with a attorney. You pay an expensive fee and you get matched to somebody who will be assigned to your process and walk you through the experience of applying and hopefully securing your trademark. Well, I got assigned to an attorney and um, the very first time I attempted to apply to get my trademark registered, uh, the office was like, what is this? You know, denied. I needed to appeal it and I needed to have an attorney be like, okay, uh, let's go back and actually make sure we have all of the tools that prove that you are the creator of this and have different journals that you are selling that are not just, okay, this logo being on the journal. Because there was a problem at the time with my logo being on the journal and it looked like I was selling the logo as a design rather than it just being, it was some complex shit. But I was like, okay, whatever. 
The price point this man gave me to respond to that office was $800 essentially per response. And I said, hold up, (laughs) hold up. This is already an expensive journey. And when you look at the United States trademark office and they tell you the prices, it ain't nowhere near what that man was quoting. So I said, oh, this is an expensive journey. At the time, I was in my first year of my master's program. I didn't feel comfortable with shelling out coins that I needed for my own means of survival. And so I abandoned the process. I sure did. That man kept emailing, just not responding. I'm like, maybe now is not the right time. I'm going to figure it out. You know, I'm going to own Broke Black Bougie. If it ain't today, and if it ain't tomorrow, it's going to be soon. (laughs) You know, so I didn't go forth with it. Which was a blessing in disguise because truthfully, if I were had to register Broke Black Bougie underneath just notebooks and journals, it wouldn't have encompassed the original purpose of what Broke Black Bougie was for. Which was being a platform, being a website, speaking to racial equity, personal wellness and development for black women, right? Having a podcast, like it, it wouldn't have spoken to those things. And so it was right that that didn't happen. It wasn't the right timing. Three years later in 2021, I decided to take the process up again having more usage of Broke Black Bougie under my belt and being more clear about the direction of what BBB um, was supposed to represent, you know? And so I decided to apply. And this time I did it in a different class and I censored it on the exact same thing that I just recently stated, right? Personal wellness, development, Um, racial equity, right? And I was assigned an attorney who was a woman who was very supportive of my work with Broke Black Bougie and also wanted to see me through this process because she knew how much it meant to me to have this be my second go around. Damn near third. But, you know, my second go around. (laughs) You know? Um, And what made me want to do the process that time was I started sharing content and I had creators who had similar names and they were being tagged with my content or their content was being shared and I was being tagged. And I was like, there's some confusion that's happening here and I want to ensure that I'm showing up as my authentic self and I also want to ensure that people understand what BBB is supposed to be. And in 2021, I wasn't operating in the full extent of what BBB was supposed to focus on. Now, this is a platform that was originally having conversations and musings on life, politics, blackness, talking about hip hop, talking about money, but not in the sense of giving advice or being a financial platform talking about some of the challenges that we navigate through in the world where money is essential, right? 
I was having conversations about my journey with self-esteem, with, you know, finding myself navigating through some toxic black family conversations, right? And all of a sudden, everything is just focused on one B, broke. And that was never supposed to be the purpose of the platform. It was supposed to be balanced between broke, black, bougie, and it's just broke. Sure, you should have just decided it broke, <laughs> you know? And I felt detached from it. I didn't feel like I was operating in the authentic mission of it. And it showed. It showed in the content. It showed in, though I was having, you know, a lot, a lot of partnerships and leaning towards this direction, it just didn't feel right in my spirit. And I knew that. No matter how passionate I am about the work, it, just, it was not in alignment the way that it needed to be in alignment. So when I went to do my process for the trademark, I got in alignment. And I prioritized what made the most sense. And a year later, I was able to obtain my registered trademark for Broke Black Bougie, which was a glorious celebration. It was a glorious celebration as a motherfucker who's a first-generation trademark owner and a first-generation nine-to-five baddie working for a motherfucking self and for a motherfucking future. You know, having something outside of something. That's why it mattered. And I loved that experience. Because though it was three years later from 2018, it still was such a meaningful experience for me because it was a full circle moment. Like sometimes the reason why things don't work out is because they're supposed to work out better and there's more clarity that you need and there's different ways you need to approach it and show up and you have a better understanding of how things are now. And so it was the perfect timing. And I was super grateful when I shared it with the Bro Black Bougie community, how folks was like, yo, it's the perfect time and this is what's up. Like, you deserve this. And I deserved it. But I always didn't walk with it the right way. Showing up, being consistent, right? There were moments where I played with Bro Black Bougie like it was a doll and I placed it back on the shelf. I was in a situation with Bro Black Bougie. <laughs> situation ship confused confusion you ball of confusion you know like the temptations um movie definitely ball of confusion and it impacted how i showed up for broke black bougie now i have the trademark now you know I, i'm clear with what action means but i'm also half assing it so stagnancy is happening right and not only do I get the trademark, I'm now learning that who my brand and investing in a brand identity is important because you can't just DIY your way through it all. It's important for you to learn the different parts of the ideas you're creating, but DIYing it don't always make it super efficient for you nor how people may receive, right, what it is that you're trying to create. So this next part, I'm going to hop in. Part three of this is going to talk about the importance of investing in your ideas. So we talked about respect. We talked about protection. 
right? Protecting the ideas, idea. Now we're going to talk about the importance of investing in it and why this matters when you want to be a creator that sees something grow. I don't know about y'all tuning in, but when I decided to get into the space of blogging, um, I didn't have much resources. And I am a firm believer that black creatives make the motherfucking world go round, especially when we creating from scraps, when we're doing it and getting it out of the mud. And though that may not be the reality of all black creatives, for a majority of us, we're starting from nothing and we're creating something. And we may have limited funds, limited resources, limited mentors, limited understanding of how to do this shit. We just may have to do. But one of the important lessons that I've learned in the journey of being a Black creative is the importance of investing in a brand. I, from the start of my journey with Broke Black Bougie, knew that eventually I would have to invest in a brand identity. But as I shared with y'all earlier, I was Miss DIY, doing it all. Editor, graphic designer, producer, curator, strategist. You know, and essentially that gets tiring. Now, I am someone who taught themselves how to design graphics. And I started designing graphics in 2011. <laughs> that's, a, that's the truth. 2011, 2012, when I started my journey blogging, that's when I decided to um, do graphics because I was scared about using images that were licensed. And so I would go to stock photos and knew that everybody named Mama was using these stock photos. And so I was trying to figure out a way to... Um, utilize these stock photos and then put writing over it to make it look different from what other folks were sharing on their sites. And it always didn't look the best. I'll tell you that it all, it did not look, I'll tell you that much. It did not always look the best, <laughs> but I had to start somewhere. Right. And so that's where the beginning of my DIY journey, you know, how it began. Um, but starting off with even my logo, I would just write it and just be so frustrated because I'm like, I'm writing it. I'm trying to put it together. I'm thinking I got the graphic designs down. I need someone to do this for me. For Charlisa Charlie, with the support of my sister Toya, I ended up investing in someone to design the Blogspot website for the blog. For Broke Black Bougie, I ended up buying templates originally in the beginning for Blogspot. And then what I ended up doing was um, making the decision to get a logo. Oh, and when you working with limited means, oh, the first thing we'd be like is, I need a logo, I need a logo, I need a logo. You can get a logo. Getting the logo is not hard. But wanting to make the investment in a brand identity, 
means you're serious. Because there's a difference between your brand identity and your logo. Your logo is just one visual element of the brand identity. There's icon marks, there's logos, there's alternative logos, there's different colors that speak to what your brand represents. There's typography, the way the typography works together and the templates work together to speak to your brand, how it resonates with the consumer. All of that matters. There's a science behind branding. And your logo, while it's good and dandy in the beginning, especially when you're working with, you know, low funds, um, a logo just ain't going to do it long term. You have to make the investment, especially if you want to be taken seriously. You know, the the professionalism, the the voice, the swag, the energy that somebody gets, all of that matters. And it's because of the brand identity. So, story time. When I first got my logo, it was in college, and I had hit up my homeboy. At the time, he had a thriving merch brand that was doing well, representing um, his DJ services. And I remember asking him, could I get in contact with his graphic designer because his logo was so dope. I was like, oh, I need something for Bro Black Bougie. I'm creating this new um, project and I want to make sure that I invest in a logo. It's important. It's the first thing that people see. When I went to his graphic designer, he drafted, you know, an example up for me and I hated it. It was very masculine. It didn't speak to what I wanted for Broke Black Bougie and I was like, I don't think he's the right person. And I was like, all right, I'm going to just go find somebody else. I decided to do some researching on Instagram and came across two designers that I really loved. But I knew that if I wanted to invest in a logo with them, it was going to cost a pretty penny. So I needed to stack my coins. So I bookmarked their shit. I screenshot their pages. And I was like, all right, I'm going to circle back around to them. Then I went to Fiverr. I said, I'm just going to Fiverr to get me a temporary logo. Can you get a long-term logo from Fiverr? Absolutely, you can. There are very much so talented artists on Fiverr. But for me, I was looking for a temporary logo because I knew where I wanted to go. So I went and I purchased a logo that was for $5. $5. $5 foot long. Let the fit go strong. And it wasn't going strong at all. Okay, that $5 logo is something that you could pull up right now. It was a vector of an afro that you can literally type in vector afro hair on Google and pull it up. And this man used the afro stock illustrations uh logo and around it had broke black bougie that's what he gave me and i paid five dollars for it it could be replicated over again it could uh be utilized for somebody else in a hair brand you know it wasn't unique but it was something temporary that was a holder and i used it and that was broke black bougie (laughs) that's literally what it was it was broke black bougie And um, a few months later, 
I decided to go back to, I have to get my coins up, the two artists that I reached out to, gave them my concepts, and decided to go the route of Diana. Because she was super dope and had my face as broke black bougie. And it's so funny, right? It's so funny how things work. For someone who feared their words and the shit that they were saying, now my whole face is attached to broke black bougie. And it's me. You can't get away from what broke black bougie represents. It's me. It's my motherfucking face. And that was it. That was it. That was my brand for me. I um, hired someone who was making social media templates for folks on IG at the time. Um, so I had, you know, some IG templates to use and I would fiddle around with different tools like Adobe tools, um, Canva, Easel. Like I was just using different graphic software and was figuring it out and posting stuff from there. Copy, paste, um, resharing, reposting, curating content. And that was just it. That's all I knew. Literally all I knew that was it. <laughs> and that was the first investment that I made and broke black bougie, which was very dope. But I think there's some key things to understand, right? When you're talking about a brand identity, your brand identity don't have to be your face in order for it to be your brand identity. I didn't know that till later on, you know, you can have ownership of your brand and have your words and your work do the speaking for it. That's okay. And you are going to meet so many dope ass designers till this day. My broke black bougie logo is visible. My first logo is visible on the broke black bougie feed from Diana. Oh yeah. It's, it's visible because even though I made a decision to invest in a brand identity, I wanted to respect my beginnings and who gave a dope ass concept to me and was the first investment of broke black bougie. You know, so I left it on the page as I archived a lot of different posts that I had for BBB. But let me tell you why I made the decision to eventually invest in a brand identity. When 2020 came around, I got tired of DIYing the shit. I didn't care how, you know, cute I was able to make certain things, how, you know, my, my brand graphics were improving and shit. Like I was just tired at a certain point. You get tired of being sick and tired, and that's what I was. And I knew that I'm switching fonts every fucking three months. You know, one month I'm using Poppins, the next month I'm using Open Sans, the next month I'm using uh school scripts. It's like, come on. That doesn't make any sense. It literally doesn't make any sense. I was frustrated as fuck. Because I'm over here saying like, at this point, you need a brand identity. You got money coming in. You not in struggle mode no more. You need to think better about the decisions that you're making and invest in yourself. It's time. So I did some research. 
at the end of 2020. And there were some brand designers that I came across who were like, listen, if you don't have a registered trademark or if you are not in the process of doing it, don't come to me. Because there's nothing worse than making an investment in a brand identity and then you don't own it. You got to do it from scratch. All again, that's time wasted for the brand designer. And it's definitely money wasted for you. And I don't know if y'all know this, but getting a brand designer ain't cheap. On the lowest end, I've seen a couple hundred dollars. On the highest end, I've seen a couple thousand dollars for brand designing. And it's worth it. Hell, for nonprofit organizations that I've worked for, they were quoted 15 bands to have a brand identity for their nonprofit. 15 and up. I've seen it. I said, damn it, it, I'm in the wrong industry. I need to tighten up on my skills so I can seal these deals. (laughs) But when I went shopping for my journey, I learned a lot about the importance of investing in brand designing. And so I came across a brand designer by the name of the BMU Studio. And I had stalked her page for a couple of months before I reached out to her. I said, damn, the way she put these colors together, the aesthetic, the swag, it ain't basic, it's abstract. I love it, you know? The way her graphics tell a story, like, she's dope. I need to reach out to her. I just want to have a consultation first and, and see where this journey could lead me. I was confused. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. To be very honest, I was like, all right, I have this brand, but I'm tired and I need help. And we came into community. My first meeting with her, she was very open. She let me know, like, what she could help with. I was like, you know, I might need help with strategy, but I also think I need help with just creating the content because I could do the work. And let me tell you something. If you want somebody to manage your social media it costs. That's a couple bands too. And at the time I was like, I think I could make the investment in the brand identity and then work on making the content because I was so aligned and I already had a voice with, you know, broke black Gucci. So I was like, you know, I, I think I, I could do that. <laughs> Man, Lauren came through and in um, 2021, we picked up the journey. I was already in the process of registering my trademark and I went with her. I circled back. We had a conversation. We went through it and within a month and a half, I had my materials. I believe it was like a month and a half. It was a a couple of weeks, but like Lauren understood. She's culturally competent respectful she's a teacher she admired my work even though I didn't feel that great she was like you have something you know and I was her client her second client to be exact so I purchased my brand identity and learned the importance of 
what that investment does to help with your brand visually, bringing to life your idea. I absolutely adore the process of branding and learning about like the voice, the look, the feel of things. And that inspired another kind of creativity for me, which I really did appreciate. And what I learned through the process with Lauren, I was able to think about in some of the comms work that I was taking on in a director role. You know, I learned a lot about being able to communicate digitally and on paper, thoughts, jargon, right? Being able to communicate that in very layman's terms and and much more relatable language, right? It improved the way I created things and the way I saw ideas in my head and brought them to life digitally. You know, so I'm super grateful for that process. And I share this story to say that the importance of your brand identity and investing in your ideas go just beyond playing small. It goes just beyond getting a logo. It goes just beyond being like, all right, I have this concept. Bringing your concept to life is also thinking about the investment in a logo. You can get a logo for $200. You can get a um, a brand identity for $800. You can get a brand identity for five bands. And each time you're paying for these things, you know, you're investing into your idea. You're bringing it to life. It will come back to you. And sometimes we create things and the first thing that we create isn't successful and that's okay. But I guarantee you, whatever you make that is, there'll be a full circle moment coming back to the original idea that you always had. It happens all the time for folks, you know, but thinking about like, okay, how am I establishing my business? Am I going to do S Corp? Am I going to do an LLC? You know, am I going to ensure that, okay, if I'm selling digital products, if I'm selling physical products, do I have all of the things that I need in order to properly do so? All right, now that I've uh, thought about going through my process of the trademark or I've made the the decision to do my trademark and investing in my brand identity at the same time, like, what are the costs of that? Who am I researching? Do I have a spreadsheet set up so I can compare and contrast the costs? Am I willing to make the investments to meet with people and have a consultation? Oh, because that matters. And let me tell you, all consultations are not free. Some folks do free consultations and some other folks are like, yo, if you're serious about this, I need you to pay for my time. Because there ain't nothing worse than going around in circles. And you, my friend, are not Atlantic Star. I don't think you all remember. You know, so it's important to get on your job. And think about the investments that matter to your growth. They always say scared money don't make money. But even beyond just being scared, I think we got to get out of a a place of feeling like we're not worthy to invest in. Because we invest in other people's brands. Sometimes the best investments we can make is in our motherfucking selves. Now, (laughs) I want to take some time to talk about another way 
in which we can invest in ourselves. And that's giving ourselves time and commitment to bring our ideas to life and not playing small. And I want to spend the last part of this politicking segment talking about what it means to be in a season of drought and sharing my personal story about navigating through that as a black creative. Time and consistency is some of the most important things, period, to being a creative. You want to be a better writer? Spend time writing. Get into workshops, right? Get a mentor. Write. You can't be a better painter without painting, without practicing, without consistently showing up. You got to show up. You got to show up for yourself. And I am no stranger to not showing up for myself, to giving other things energy and using my cup to pour into other seasons of overflow and not using my cup to be in my own season of overflow. Not a stranger, but I've seen how it's led to different seasons of stagnancy. And let's face it, life is going light. Back in the day, folks would just call it life's pains, growing pains. And today we call it life be life. But the things that we care about, the ideas that we care about shouldn't stop simply because life is happening. There are frameworks, there are orders, there are things that we need to have, right? Investing and protecting our ideas so that we can actually see the evolution of our growth. We can see how things shift. We can see that we're showing up for it. And when I created Broke Black Bougie, um, I wasn't in the best space. Quite frankly, I was I was not. Broke Black Bougie came before therapy. It did. I wasn't even in therapy. That's why writing was so important for me. But I wasn't as strong as a writer as I am today when I first started this journey, even though a lot of the context and the things that I was sharing was very much so similar, like I was just not on point grammatically, you know, and the English language is full of shit anyway. But when you want people to receive your shit well, it's important for you to show up in a certain level of quality, a certain level of stature, you know, and I understand that. Also, you can't see things grow. If you're not putting in the time for it. When I say that I was operating in a situation shit with broke black bougie, I mean that shit. You know what you got to do. You know how you got to move. Well, you really playing with it. You know, I'm not going to show up fully for this. Like, I, I, I care about it, but I don't really know, like, I don't really know if I should pour it in it. Then why you even created it? Why you even create the idea? Why you created the page? If it's just going to sit there for years with one damn post on it. Folks come to your page. You're not even active, but you you still want, I want to be starting something. I want to be starting something. You're a vegetable. Okay? <laughs> for real. You want to be starting something. But you ain't invested in pouring into the shit that you need to be pouring into. You playing. You playing. And I'm saying you playing because I'm talking to myself. You know, that's the experience I had to navigate with not showing up. When you show up and you put in the work, the result's going to come. 
And whether or not you decide to pivot and stay within that pivot or circle right back to what it is you originally created, time will allow that to unfold for you. But you got to be present. And even if there are moments you need to go away, you have to make the proper investments to ensure that things can still move. That requires time. That requires consistency. And that requires not playing small. There were moments that I was playing so small with Fro Black Bougie that as a director doing policy and comms work, a lot of what I learned was transferring into another organization that I became a co-founder of, right? Helping to create digital assets, toolkits, imagery, memos, policy reports, you know, and that work was being uplifted by large movement organizations who appreciated our work. I was even doing grant writing and securing grants for this organization. And all of the energy and time that I gave to it, I looked to Broke Black Bougie and I said, yo, why can't I do the same thing here? Is it because I feel more worthy in a group than I do alone? Like, what's the disconnect with that when I'm the one moving this work? I'm the same person. They're just two different brands, two different brand identities. And I'm the curator. I'm the graphic designer. I'm the writer. I'm the narrative director. You know, so so what's the disconnect? And the disconnect was not properly pouring into myself. I put the work in. For the organization and it was moving forward. I didn't put the work in for Broke Black Bougie the way that I needed to. And in hindsight, it really hurts to reflect on that because when I left that organization, unethical things had occurred and I was harmed. And I saw shit manifesting that I never thought was possible. And so I left. And when I left, I had to remind myself that the same shit that I do for other people for a job, to help other seasons of overflow exist, I can do it for myself and for the things that I create, no matter what it is. I have to believe that. And I just started to believe it. Because see, sometimes we plant seeds in the wrong soil. As Black creatives, Sometimes we plant seeds in the wrong soil. It's not going to be able to sprout, grow, be watered the way that we need to because it's in the wrong damn soil. It's in the wrong place. It has to be moved. The level of water that is required is the water that you done outpoured into other seasons of overflow when you needed to keep some for yourself. Now your cup is empty. And you don't have no source to refill that cup. And sometimes what makes it be refilled is the sweat that comes off your body because you have to put so much work in to undo what you didn't do right. Sometimes it's the tears that you cry, being frustrated at outcomes that you didn't think were going to happen, but that needed to happen in order to get you to a season of growth. And that is how the seed sprouts. But part of understanding what it means to be in a drought it's not only the environment around it 
that contributes to us being in a season of drought. But how we ourselves are in a state of depletion and how that impacts the way we show up. As a Black creator, I recognize that I was in a season of a drought, (laughs) personally, (laughs) mentally, physically. You know, it impacted me professionally. It impacted me business-wise, right? Because it's parallel. Sure, we can compartmentalize things, but we're still one person. You know, and so the things that we go through in life impact how we show up for ourselves and other endeavors. How we're in community, how we're not in community. And how we choose to move forward. And so I share this episode with y'all as a moment to reflect on the importance of showing up, showing the fuck out. And understanding the processes that you may need to take to figure out what you need to do to pour, evolve, and most importantly, get back to a space of growth. Whether you are restarting and restarting and restarting again, whether you are creating something new, whether you have something that you've just fallen off on, you know, I encourage you to show back up for it. You'll never know where it can go unless you move with it. And on that note, y'all, I want to thank y'all for being in community with Broke Black Bougie for the past couple of years. And giving grace, respecting space, and understanding that shit happens, drought happens, the rain will come, and things can sprout again. (laughs) So thank you for being in community with BBB thus far. And um, I appreciate y'all, period. We've been very consistent on our episodes for the Broke Black Bougie podcast, and we're just going to keep it up. (laughs) And I welcome y'all to tap in, you know, tap, tap, tap in with Toya and I on the next episode of the Broke Black Bougie podcast. Thank you for engaging in this Founders Conversation. And until next time in your ear. Talk soon, y'all.